The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. We should talk about it just briefly because yeah. in a way it felt like an amends. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you if, not if, if that, there was you know, something I've never there. done any formal amends, but as I was as I was uh, sitting there, anyway, I had a, a lunch with an old friend of both Jeff's and mine mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I think anybody that's listened to the podcast has heard me talk often about my sort of professional flame out that happened under Jeff. It was professional, personal, emotional sort of flame out, and yeah. Jeff had to bear witness to that and had to bear the brunt of it from a professional and a friendship standpoint. Yep. Um, but this other friend of ours, um, who we've both known for as long as Just we've as known long. each other, yep. um, and uh, he and I were very close, and I somehow... Um, I don't know what I did. I think I had let those same resentments and insecurities mm-hmm. build up in myself and they were all sort of based in professional but personal because we we're all friends mm-hmm. and I don't know I got competitive and insecure right and with this other friend I, I, I sort of just let it, it it didn't manifest itself as extremely as it may have with Jeff yeah. but I just sort of let myself detach yeah and I never Never made heard. any effort to reattach. Right. And this was a very good friend of mine. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jeff's maintained a, a good friendship with him over yeah. the years. Yeah. And, uh, and then a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago or so, we started, this, this person and I started, uh, we started seeing each other everywhere. Like, yeah. After not seeing each other forever. And St. Louis is, is a small town. Yes. I mean, for, for, it's not and a you city. You guys do live in the same area. Of St. Louis. Similar, but that it, yeah. we, we weren't seeing each other yeah. necessarily in the same area. Yeah. We were seeing each other all over different parts of St. Louis. So the universe was telling you well, to. St. Louis. Okay. Maybe St. Louis. St. Luniverse. <laughs> the um, Luniverse. And uh, the Luniverse is different than the universe. And so I, I just, I'm in a place now, you know, I've come out of this depression and I'm, I've learned a lot about myself and I've worked on myself. Uh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I like this person. Yeah. At, at the very least, I want to talk to them and, 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 Clean my yeah. What's it called? Clean up your side of clean the street, my side Chris. of the street. Yes. Uh, and so I just I texted him. I said, "You want to get lunch?" And he's like, "Sure." He was like, "That's great." Actually, what I, yeah. I texted him, I said, 
I, I texted and we hadn't talked in <laughs> eight to ten years. And I texted and I said, "God, that's uh, amazing! It has been that long." I said, um, "That is amazing." I said something like, "Clearly, the Lord has uh, plans for us, and who are we to deny the Lord's uh, plans? <laughs> plans or something like that?" Because you've seen him a few times, right? And he texts back and he's like, uh, "Excuse me, who, who who is this?" And I said, "It's it's." I said, "It's it's Chris." Well, he knows knows me by Gary. Yeah. And I said, it's a, "It's a Gary. Who else do you know?" Who that the Lord speaks to and through, and he was just like so, and so we got lunch and it was great, and it did in a lo- in large part for me feel like an amends that I, yeah. I did, um, give him a sincere apology yeah. for my behavior, yeah, and because uh, I he absolutely deserved that, and yeah. uh, it felt good. There is a yeah. a which sounds selfish to say it felt good for me to apologize mm-hmm. for being a jerk for eight years <laughs> in a sense, you know what I mean, right? Um. Because it's that's not what it's about. Yeah. But it's about making. Sh- I don't know what it is. What is the amends about? Well, it's just it's. It's not about unburdening yourself, it right? Is. It is. It is. It's about these okay. are the things. That sounds selfish that, now that I say it. Yeah, but yeah, but I think in some ways this is the selfish part of recovery okay. because you're taking care of yourself. You're getting rid of these things that, for whatever <laughs> reason, are bothering you. And of course, Excuse this me. one would. Right. This is a behavior that you now look back on in yourself and realize that it's unacceptable right. to, to live with that. And it was unacceptable that you, you know, this is something you can look back on and say, oh, yeah. And it's funny because I saw him the next day and asked him and he said it, how great it was. Fuck and, that dude. Yeah, no, no. He oh. said exactly what you said, how great it was to see you and that he really appreciated that. Um, and then he talked about, we talked about a few other situations uh just how those things can, those weird resentments or ego or whatever mm. that shit is that just fucks things up mm. and how it's just not worth it in the end. So I think that was, he was very happy. With well, good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So no, good for you. But that's yeah. a true amends. Like, that's a proper amends, man. I wish I knew Tinder better. I would say, I swiped white, right. Or I don't know which way is the good <laughs> way. Um, you did. So but, congrats, uh, man. Because that's uh, good. Yeah, it is good. I, it's, it is good. Yeah. I, I'm very, very happy and yeah. happy about it yeah so let's uh cool. let's call uh do you have anything else we want to no that's it man clear up um i do want to say a couple things up front before i forget because i always forget at the end okay one what? i know some people listen to the podcast don't go to the site vice versa if you haven't been please visit the recovery online there's so much good content up there and a lot of new stuff there's uh, a piece by kara uh our guest tonight on the front page there's a piece by um, Tammy Salas, uh, her step three of her working through the, the, the steps as someone uh, of multiple faiths and no faith. And it's really just fascinating stuff. Um, there's a piece Jen. by Jen O, who's uh, been documenting her first 500 yep. days of, and she's at uh, 350 at and change. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> there is uh, the latest piece by. Claire Rudy Foster of Addiction Fiction, which is tremendous. I mean, and and we've got some news regarding uh, uh, Claire's uh, um, addiction fiction coming up, which I w- I'll announce uh, on a subsequent episode. Um, and who else? I don't want to forget anybody, but there's just a lot of great work up there that's that other people share. That's it's incredibly generous, you know. Uh, this site is run. There's like no money other than what I right. scrabble together to put into it. And um, people share their work with not just me, but with all of you. And um, 
just uh, appreciate if you take a look. And you know, share, and then if you like it, share it with somebody else. The Recovery Revolution dot online. Um, and uh, you know, if you like like the work or don't like the work, whatever, if you have comments, you know, share them with uh, the authors where the comments are available. There aren't comments available on everything. Um, so that's that. And I want to thank uh, upfront. I'm, I'm djfm.com is as much part of the show as any of us because totally you hear his his work first and last yeah. every episode um his music's phenomenal please you know check out uh, the rest of the work he's incredibly prolific and across a wide range of styles djfm.com all right let's call Kara in and see if she's made any amends recently We'll make an amends to her for people. Oh, yeah, they're not really that. Yeah, yeah I told you. Ten after. Hey, Kara. Hi. Can you hear us? Yes. Fantastic. Can you hear me? Can you hear Jeff? Yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, you know, we never know. Sometimes it works. Sometimes so. it doesn't. With with this, and I and I I gave you the the heads up on the professionalism and quality control and all that, um, but I think we're doing great. We uh, just had, did a little intro. Where we were talking about amends, and uh, I recently uh, reached out to a a friend I hadn't seen in like eight nine years that both Jeff and I know and made amends. But we want to talk to you about that before we do. Uh, welcome, Kara Yonker. Um, who I became familiar with and many of you through a terrific piece of yours in the New York Times, No One to Rescue Me from My Drinking. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then you've been kind enough to share a piece on the recoveryrevolution.online, uh, the soberest drunk girl at the party, <laughs> which um, <laughs> is always good. Is always good. Yeah. And, that was uh, a good one. And which has, in my illustrating it, I, I've put myself in the position where I have to continually um, add disclaimers that none of the women in the illustrations are in fact you because um, they're the drunkest Those captions drunk. were very right. funny. They were yeah. very funny okay. and very appreciated. But, uh, <laughs> um, that was the one that had the people falling in yes. from the wedding. I that, thought that was the awesome. drunkest drunk girls at the party. <laughs> um, so welcome and thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah. And uh, Thank you, you so much for, for helping me. Oh good. What do, you, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> yeah what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> None of those, none of those images are me. There's no photographic evidence of my bad behavior um, at weddings, fortunately. Oh, oh, good. Although I think my friends have very long memories. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I thought there'd be a good business. It's it's called the Scrubber, and you, mm. they hire you to go get rid of all the digital uh, evidence of your behavior at places like weddings. That's pretty amazing, right? That's, That'd be a yeah. good one. I'll tell you what, that sounds legit. So, one was did the bulk of your active uh drinking was, was it pre like real social media sharing yeah okay it was so we're all yeah. fortunate in that way um <laughs> right it's like uh as a, a side note I, yeah. I had lunch the other day with an acquaintance who's become a friend and he's a he's um we'll put it this way we're i'm going to take him to his first AA meeting this friday um wow and uh he he got a, a DWI uh, uh, last week, and uh, and now they put your mugshots up on the website, and everybody no. can see anybody's mugshot. Oh. And I'm like, whoa! If that had happened when I was yeah. drinking, there would have been been up there I don't a know lot. What, there would have been trouble or something. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, thank goodness for 
Yeah. Getting that getting old. through it early, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, so, uh, yeah, I loved your piece on the New York Times. Do you get tons of feedback all the time on that? Um, yeah, I uh, a, a lot of um, a lot of people I knew, a lot of people I didn't know. Yeah. Um, it was really, I was really, um, I just was so moved by the response yeah. and the supportive response that I got. Um, I think that. You know, I didn't really think about that when um, they said they were going to publish it. I was, um, there were a couple of secrets that were kind of revealed in that essay. And one was this relationship I had had with um, a coworker of mine. And, right. you know, we have a lot of mutual friends right. and, um, you know, we kept the relationship a secret because we were working together. And right. so we we're just, you know, keeping it professional. And, um, you know, and then there was the drinking, which nobody knew about. Um, right. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, people knew I drank, yeah. but, um, you know, they didn't know that I had, it had gotten to the point where I needed to stop. Yeah. And, um, and, sober and um so there were so i when it ran mm -hmm. i kind of fixated on this like relationship being revealed mm -hmm. and um that response and then you know people start we were really focused you know on the drinking which was mm -hmm. really the the story there and yeah. i was like whoa like i just revealed a whole bunch of stuff about myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> that i totally i think it was maybe like a self-defense mechanism because maybe I wouldn't have done it I wouldn't have agreed to let them run it um if I had like really taken in um yeah. what I was going to be sharing in such a public venue I mean my parents didn't know wow so didn't know you so drank had, didn't know about the relationship well it doesn't really didn't know. know I drank didn't know I had a problem didn't yeah. know that I had stopped drinking yeah. um so I had to tell them yeah. um and that was a <laughs> A pretty, I mean, that Did was probably the scariest thing it? I've ever done. Yeah, I had them read it before it ran. Oh. <clears throat> and my mother um, called me and said that was completely not what I was expecting. Because <laughs> I told her the relation that the, the, the um, column was about relationships. So she thought it was, you know, probably going to be about sex or something. Yeah. But no, it was about my drinking. My daughter's having sex. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we don't we don't share a lot in my family. Um, so there's uh so yeah, as far as I'm concerned, my parents don't know that I have sex either. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, ho I hope um, they're not listening to this podcast. No, no, they don't know I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so you wrote this thing and this is, uh, this is a huge sharing. You're like dumping all this out. You, you send it to the times think it's probably getting not get published. And then they say, right. and you don't really think this through. And then all of a sudden, poof, yeah. wow. Uh -huh. And did the guy know? That this was going to get um, Yeah, I, I told him beforehand because actually in the original version I sent to the Times, it had his name. Yeah. Mm. And so I let him know, I was like, uh, it's got your name in it. And he was like, <laughs> oh, like, can you change that? So I, like we edited sweet, it out. sweet, man. He, yeah, he's a great guy. We're actually really good friends now. I want to be friends um, with him. Like, who is this prince? <laughs> <laughs> right? He was really cool. Was he a normie? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was he a normie? That's a good question. Was he what? A normie? Just, just a normal drinker. A normal drinker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that term. No. Oh. Uh, I, I didn't either before I started doing this. So it's, it's been about two <clears> years. <throat> I've been working it in as often as I can. <laughs> Dropping the <laughs> yeah. terminology. Nice. But, the but, lingo. But, but, yeah, but the story was about, if you haven't read it, it, you're kind of your end of days. You're, you've had it in New York. You're doing a geographic change to Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what's happening. And you have, you're kind of having this relationship and... 
you had the emotional dark night of the souls with this guy. But it is kind of a relationship story because it was in the relationship section of the New York Times, right? Or in that. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I managed to shoehorn my recovery story into this relationship <laughs> right. so that the modern love column would publish it. Right. See, and that's, I found that fascinating because every yeah. time I, I go to it uh, on, on, in the Times and I look up there and it's under modern love. I've never, I've never um, sort of crystallized that thought, but it always struck struck me as odd. And it, that's there you go. That's yeah. why. I never, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it's really interesting. The it, and I don't know if you felt this way, but love itself, the actual emotion and alcohol. Mm. I think there's something very. Uh, there's lots of places where those things cross. Your love mm. of alcohol and uh-huh. how you end up yeah. choosing it, yeah. and then I even think love itself has many of the same addictive things that can happen to you you know right it's mm-hmm. very confusing oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. right yeah totally and if you don't have love you know with another person like alcohol can love you you yeah, know or you exactly. can love alcohol yeah, yeah yeah it can be a replacement yeah that's interesting. <clears throat> it's that is interesting i i uh i was just um well i'm, I'm gonna sh- not to to hijack your your podcast but so today's the the night before my sober birthday it's not there yet but i was just talking about the the night before you know 19 years ago i said i felt like i was killing my best friend because i knew i was quitting mm-hmm. the next day and yeah. so there's very much that impassioned yeah. sensation f- like uh, for uh yeah. for alcohol just yeah. wild um so can, can we back up a bit for listeners that might not exactly know the story and sort of what yeah. your and you know we're not necessarily the the drunkalog show but we just how you got to be <laughs> I a like person in recovery well yeah Kara, if you want to tell us all the um <laughs> you got to be a person in recovery and, and what that looks like and yeah. for you and um maybe what your <coughs> program of sobriety and recovery is yeah if there is a s- structure <laughs> um yeah it's very it's a loose structure yeah, sure. um as um I told you I'm, I'm not an AA, um, but I did go to meetings. So I hit bottom. I was in Boston. I had lost my job a couple months before and, um, I had, you know, I didn't have a schedule. I didn't have to be at work the next morning. So it just kind of escalated my already pretty heavy drinking. Was there a clear tie to drinking or was it independent of that? The job? Um, Oh, the job. It was totally independent. Okay. It was totally independent. Yeah. Um, and, um, it was just, it was just a typical layoff. Sure. Um, and, uh, so I, you know, went on my three day bender mm-hmm. and woke up and just knew I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I felt horrible physically and, um, just realized like this is completely not normal. And I think I had been telling myself that it was, mm-hmm. um, up until that point. Um, so I, you know, I went to a meeting and when I got there, I realized I had the day wrong <laughs> because I had been drinking for three days straight and didn't realize that it was actually Wednesday and not Tuesday. Wow. You lost so I had an gone, entire day. I, yeah, I lost an entire day. Wow. And so I sat down in Boston Common and got on my phone and looked up another meeting. And it actually was back in my neighborhood um, in South End. And so I walked back to my neighborhood and found this meeting. And so for the first two weeks, I went to meetings every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And then um, I was in this really big period of transition. Um, Geographically, again, I was um, packing up 
all my possessions, shipping them out to my parents' house in California, and then I was going to be traveling. So I did meetings for two weeks, and then I went home for a week, and then I went to Mexico. Wow. And then um, I came home for a few weeks and in the interim, and then I went to South America for three months. So when I first got sober, I was changing my environment mm. radically, like yeah. almost daily. Like every three days when I was traveling, I was in a new country or I was in a new city. I was speaking different versions of Spanglish. Mm, right. um, you know, I didn't have to face all the triggers that a lot of people do mm. when they get sober. Um, and it really made me feel for people who do it that way. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, that's, that's really hard to go back uh, to your old life yeah. and, and not have your, your best friend. And mm. um, so I uh, got back from South America and I, but that's was when it, was I Was it hard to go to these places and not drink? Like, not really. I mean, I became, I mean, I didn't go out at night. And yeah. as a woman traveling alone in a foreign country, I mean, it, that's probably something I wouldn't do too often, yeah. or at least in the past I've done it, you know, with great caution. Mm. Um, so, and you, you know, already was, had this trip planned, like you were already going before you. Quit yeah. Thinking. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. And I asked my meeting that first meeting I went to, like right before I, I moved um, from Boston, I was like, I'm planning on taking this trip. Like, should I really be doing this? And they said, yes. They said, take the trip. There are meetings everywhere in the yeah, world. Yeah. And, you know, they're in English. You can call like, you know, do it. And I was like, all right. Like you guys said it was okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to go. Yeah. So um, I like this idea of a, a sobriety travel club yeah. where if you want to just yeah. like get sober, let's we'll, we'll plan your trip to Mexico because we know it works. You don't have <laughs> yeah. to face your triggers. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, that's awesome. Interesting. Yeah. Did you go to meetings? And then that. No, I didn't. I ended up not going to any meetings because okay. I wasn't was never tempted. Yeah. So <clears throat> I just didn't. It was, you know, in every Play, new place I ended up in, I always looked them up. So I knew mm -hmm. where it was. Yeah. I knew when it was. I knew it was there if I needed it. Mm -hmm. um, and I I didn't feel like I needed it. That's great. And so who knew you <clears throat> were newly sober? Like friends, family? Um, my Both of my sisters knew and really only really close friends. Um, so maybe like 10 and then, you know, people, and a lot of that too is just because, you know, I was in this kind of limbo geographically. I was, you know, kind of with my parents and then I was traveling. And so I just didn't see a lot of people that I knew. So it was really easy not to tell them. And your parents um, didn't know at this time because the article had no. come out. No. Uh-uh. They okay. didn't know. They were just like, oh, you're um, moving back home. Yeah. And my parents don't drink. So not drinking at home is a really easy yeah. thing for me to do um, because we've just never done it. So me not drinking wasn't unusual to them. Um, so I, is that I come I home from South America. Didn't or is that just, or is it more? Um, you mean did they not drink for? Right. Did they know like family history or? Something? Well, yeah. So my grandfather, my on my father's side, um, was an alcoholic, and he was also depressed, and he killed himself mm. shortly after um, being released from rehab. Um, many years ago. And so I think, you know, he was an abusive alcoholic as well. And I think that's the reason my father doesn't drink. Mm -hmm. Um, my mother doesn't drink because she was raised, um, in a non-drinking Baptist household. Okay. So, um, so yeah. Okay. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah. So, and I think, you know, my grandfather's drinking, you know, I think uh, my own drinking mimics his, I think. I never knew him. He died before I was born. But um, uh, the depression is something that I think drove Mm -hmm. my drinking. And, um, you know, that when I came home, from South America, I was really depressed. Um, and I had to kind of deal with all those things that I hadn't been dealing with when yeah. I was traveling. Yeah. And I became, um, no, I'm in North Carolina no, now. But you were when you Actually, got back from South. I was, yeah. Okay. When I went home, um, to California to my parents' house and, um, I was really bummed out and I started experiencing these memories of things I had done when I was drinking and I was so ashamed, Ooh. like I, and I couldn't shake them. Like I couldn't let them go. Mm-hmm. Like it, and these were things that I had, you know, you know, you talk to people the next day, mm-hmm. they kind of tell you what happened mm-hmm. and then you, they, you know, they brush it off. It mm-hmm. happens. You drank too much. Like we, you know, we all do it one time or another. Yeah. And, um, you know, but for some reason I couldn't let these things go. Wow. And that's when I decided I needed to go to AA because I thought, well, maybe this is a sober thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at that time, too, I was experiencing an unusual amount of conflict with people. Hmm. And that was really frustrating because I thought, you know, my life is supposed to be really easy now. <laughs> I've taken this thing out of yeah. it that, you know, was causing all these problems. And yet I'm, you know, really angry with a few people mm-hmm. and I can't let that go. So you were angry. And you were the one that was angry. I was the one who was angry. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't forgive them. Um, wow. if I they disappointed me or let me down and I, it was so strange cause I'm not, you know, like you're dead to me, you people. Yeah, like I'm, I mean, I'm thing, yeah. not a high maintenance friend and I'm really easygoing and suddenly I just wasn't. Wow. And I think it was cause I couldn't drink it away. Yeah. You know, normally I would like be annoyed with someone. Yeah. I'd get drunk. Mm-hmm. I'd call my sister and bitch about it and it would be done. Yeah. But I think your anger I would, goes up because, yeah, you just don't have a mechanism to deal with frustrations it, yeah. or just the, life's frustrations and little annoyances or whatever. You don't have a mechanism to deal with it. It just kind of builds up and you're just mm-hmm. pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's and it's like we're. Yeah. And so I went to AA. Yep. And um, I was living in San Francisco for the summer. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do the program. Like I need the program. And. I got a sponsor and I went to meetings and I wasn't connecting with anybody Mm -hmm. and I felt really isolated and my sponsor, I had to start from the beginning and I had to go to 90 meetings in 90 days and I had to call her every day and I was like, I do not want to think about drinking every day because I'm not thinking about it right now. Um, at that point I had been almost nine months sober and, um, I wasn't, you know, in do I was willing to do the steps, but I wasn't getting any any hint of relief of what I was feeling, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, sadness, isolation. Um, I was just, I was really bummed out, mm-hmm. and um, I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and she recommended a therapist, and so I went to this therapist who also happened to be a dual diagnosis therapist, which was lucky for me, yeah. and um, she, you know, I kind of laid it all out and told her what was going on and she was like okay so you're depressed this is not a mild depression we need to deal with that first and then we will talk about the drinking and the relationships and all the things you know you think is going on right now so so 
um, within a few weeks after seeing her, you know, I felt a lot better and, you know, we kind of dealt with my depression, um, in ways we can talk about later if you guys are interested. And, um, I, I asked her too, if I asked her if I, I was like, do I have to go to meetings? And she was like, no, like if you're not tempted, like this is only contributing to your feelings of isolation. So, you know, if you need to go to a meeting, go to a meeting, but mm-hmm. you know, what, right, what's going on right now is this depression. So let's talk about that. Um, so yeah, so that's, uh, so now my focus really is managing the depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if I can keep that in check, um, I am, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, with the drink. Yeah. And how do you feel about your depression today? Like, do you, it's, you know, I'm not taking medication for it. Um, primarily because I'm usually uninsured. And so that's, you know, really hard to get and maintain. Um, and it's expensive. And, um, and also the, the way that I dealt with it with therapists in San Francisco, um, was basically by reading this book called the depression cure by Stephen Alardi. And, I-L-A-R-D-I, okay. Alardi is his last name. And so he um, wrote this book about uh, six steps to dealing with depression um, without medicine. And um, it's, you know, getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. yeah. exercising, yeah. Um, taking omega-3s, which is something that really helped me really quickly, wow. um, working on not ruminating mm-hmm. and you know, obsessing over certain topics. How do you stop um, the obsession? Like, is there a technique? Um, because otherwise, you yeah. just cut Stephen Alardi out of a few thousand books. Yes. I get obsessed. There better be I'm a like, technique. I'm like, I'm obsessing about this. Right. I'm like, all right, I got to stop. And I'm like, I can't stop because I'm obsessing yeah. about this. Yeah. It fucking drives me crazy. Yeah. The thing <laughs> that I do is like, um, I, I call it changing the channel. Yeah. Okay. Like if you just think of your brain as like a radio and yeah, you're just, like you're switching the channel yeah. and you're just trying to like focus on something else, anything else. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, saying it to yourself that way, I think helps actually. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. Make it that happen. is good. That's a helpful technique. I like that. <clears throat> so what I think so, depression yeah. especially is a cycle that's hard to get out of and yeah. you can see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. But and uh-huh. so there is an obsession with that thinking. Yeah. It's hard to get out of that. It's, it's hard to get out of. Yeah. Right. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So you got to change the channel. I like that. Yeah. And the thing. So and th- that's interesting. So you're doing these 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 things that that we sort of know. You know, sleep and and exercise and you know the stop ruminating. That's tough. And I like the change channel idea because I'm definitely cursed with the ruminating. Um, yeah, but, and that uh, helps with anxiety too. Right, exactly. Changing the channel, like yeah. yeah. When to me, those sort of like uh, obsessing and ruminating and anxiety are all sort of coiled mm-hmm. and intertwined. Um, but uh, I, I, it's no secret. I think we talked about it last episode. Was devoted a huge chunk of it to, um, you know, m- me basically coming out of maybe the second deepest depression since I've been sober, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the the idea that um when i when i got sober i was very adamant about not taking any sort of psychoactive substances you mm-hmm. know. so i uh you know all these years after i was sober and i was i had sunk into a really deep one around the time uh 
Jeff and I sort of parted ways for a bit. Um, I was really resistant to the idea, but finally I, I'm now wholeheartedly a proponent of if you find a good psychiatrist, if you they mm-hmm. work carefully with you to find the right ones that, you know, for me personally, it's, it's, it's absolutely been a lifesaver and um, just I've been phenomenal, the medication aspect. And it's kind of a bummer that that it does become so expensive without insurance. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what were, to say. Were about you that, on medication and then don't take it now? I mean, you've done it. You've no, done. no, I was never on it. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's never been a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and her one of the reasons she recommended the book for me was because I mean, if she asked if I was open to it, and I said I am, I will take anything yeah. that you recommend that I take, but I can't because I. You know, I can't afford it and I can't maintain it. Yeah. So, um, so that was why she recommended the book. Yeah. And lucky for me, um, it helped. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. do anything. Yeah. So I'm going to get the yeah. book. Because, um, I mean, depression is just a, a yeah. miserable bunch of crap. <laughs> so, right? Do you, yeah. Did you have depression before you started drinking? Like, do you remember this as a teen, early adulthood? Or did it, the drinking cause the depression? Or how did that work? Um, I think the, I think the depression definitely drove the drinking, mm-hmm. probably starting, um, def- in college. Okay. Um, and that was when I had my first really depressed episode mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it went undiagnosed for years. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and then I would get better and, you know, but then it would happen again, and drinking was very closely tied to those really dark periods. So, I would say that um, the depression is definitely behind the drinking. Yeah, yeah, the self-medicating, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, lots. Some often it's it's a chicken and egg scenario with yeah. those, people, right? Right. Um, yeah, and I'm you know I'm genetically predisposed, right, to it. So you know it's, a, it's just a bad combo. <laughs> Were you, were you, uh, cause that article made it sound like when you drank the depressive came out of you, like all the night of the dark soul moments. Yeah. Is that, yeah. It would of? get worse. Yeah. yeah. It would, it would just unleash. Yeah. And I remember that too. I, I was like that too. I had moments like things like that where yeah, you just like look back the next day and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe Yeah, you just went there, but you do. I don't know. I don't know what uh-huh. that is. Yeah. That's funny. So then the, it's interesting because you're talking about how these cringeworthy moments came back mm-hmm. and haunted you at like six mm-hmm. months. Yeah. Nine months. Oh, um, wow. And that's mm-hmm. kind of obsessive weird. I wonder what that was. Right. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Like all these haunting yeah. little things that. Yeah. Ugh. And I, I, yeah, all those moments. So it's funny because in AA, you know, they, you do a fourth and fifth step and get rid of all that stuff. Did you ever do any of that? No. No, okay. I never did. But you do want to maybe therapy. I should. Well, it's it's funny because you go back and I've I've seen this happen before. They're like, I don't know you, so you're a newcomer, and I'm going to make you do ninety and ninety days, even though that's not where you're at, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's not where you're mm-hmm. at. You're nine months sober and probably have done the first step, second step, third step. You're, uh, and I don't know if you have a higher power or spiritual relationship at all, um, mm-hmm. but you're kind of ready to get rid of some shit if these things are haunting you, you know. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't. I would, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I mean, they don't haunt me anymore, yeah. but they were at the time. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And so, okay. So, um, 
So how how, do, how much how much sobriety do you have now? Uh, I just had my three year right. anniversary, like August nineteenth. I oh, think. Happy anniversary! <clears throat> that is good. Um, that's phenomenal. Uh, okay, so and and the AA was a early part of it, and then now it sounds like you therapy uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Nilardi and. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you follow like what he's. I mean, try to sleep yeah. and exercise and eat well and all that. Mm-hmm. Right? All that, um, yeah. But as far as uh, specifically just the sobriety and recovery, do you do you think about recovery and? And here's why I asked that because I thought I knew what recovery was for well over a decade, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I think I was sort of doing it because yeah. I, I like many of us are compelled to become our our best self or a better self after we we get sober um but then there came a time when i sort of lost focus and lost track and and it sort of went by the wayside and i've, I've come back to it recently you know all these years later focusing on on all of that with um with focus i guess i should say um so anyway my, my, my question is do, do you think about the that term recovery and do you, yeah okay I do. Okay. I do. And I, I mean, and what you just said is something I think about a lot. Like I wonder, I, I worry about, um, not thinking about it enough mm-hmm. and not taking care of it enough and wondering if, if I'll slip up, mm-hmm. you know, if there's ever going to be a day and I'm driving home from work and I want to pull over and you know, get that bottle of wine. Cause I have those thoughts, sure. you know, especially like right on the brink of a depression when I can feel it coming on, I have that, you know, I'll drive by a liquor store and be like, I could just drive over there right now and nobody would know. Yeah. And I never do it, mm-hmm. but I wonder, um, about, uh, the someday in the future, if I do do it and that gets me thinking about like, okay, am I really paying attention to what's going on and am I taking care of my sobriety in the way that it needs to be taken care of so that I can avoid that. Yeah. Um, And that, you know, and again, that goes back to, you know, the things I do in general to take care of myself, but also, you know, I'm really, um, kind of insular. I live in a really remote area right now. It's, you know, I'm, far from my closest friends and family. So it's, and I like being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I don't do often enough is reach out to people. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I know that I could do, um, more of, and that would help yes. maintain my sobriety. Yes. Um, and that's something I work on. Um, so you're out, easy in, to, out in North Carolina somewhere. Yeah. I'm in the, um, Western part of the state and I'm in the mountains. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'm like an hour north of Asheville. Oh, I love Asheville. What uh, what are you doing? Why are you there? Um, I'm writing. Okay. And I'm, I'm and waitressing. <laughs> You're waitressing and writing a book. That's why yeah. you went there specifically yeah. to to write the book. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll talk about that. But I would. But I think you. Yeah, you do need to reach out more. Like you're describing this to me, and I'm like, oh man, you gotta have somebody <laughs> that you're accountable to, girl. Jeez. Do you have a dog? That's true. Yeah. I, I just got a dog. Oh, I just okay. got a dog like two weeks ago. Yeah. You gotta yeah. feed your dog. You can't be out drunk. <laughs> yeah. Dog needs to yeah. eat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You got a dog. <laughs> That's a good story. Um, and did you, had you been to North Carolina? Why, why was that the writing place? 
How'd you choose um, that? It was pretty randomly. I was uh, living in Georgia two years ago. I went there for uh, graduate school. I was in an MFA program briefly. And so that's how I ended up in the South. And I really liked it. And I was leaving the program and I had heard good things about Asheville. So I drove up here one weekend and saw a great cabin-like building um, in the woods. And the price was right. And I just said, okay, we'll see how this works. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy, <laughs> you. That's awesome. And so, how did the your uh, MFA program is in writing, correct? Uh huh. Uh huh. Are writing a book right this moment as we speak. Uh huh. How far uh-huh. are you along? Um, uh, I'm not very far. I have maybe a quarter of it. Okay. Like in like you know readable yeah. form. Yeah. Um. That's awesome. Yeah, but, it is exciting. But but and we always we've talked to lots of people who have found their voices mm-hmm. in being sober. Mm-hmm. And were you? Yeah. Did you write prior to this? And this I whole, did. Okay, so uh-huh. you were a writer. You yeah, know, you knew how to type all that stuff. <laughs> did you write a lot? Yep. Were yep. You, uh, the, and I guess what were you doing before? Yeah. you got sober. Yeah. Well, I worked. So I worked in publishing for a long time. Okay. Um, and um, and I and I wrote on the side. Mm-hmm. And I wrote primarily about um, relationships, mm-hmm. and You're I spent a lot doctor. of time writing about breakups. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Was, that's funny. <laughs> I think that's. I'm an expert <laughs> in breaking up with guys because yeah, they couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and was that relationship kind of the typical cycle relationship of how you had your relationships with guys? Get to know you. Um, they felt they felt <laughs> like they could ha- save you, and then they realized, like, oh, she's a drunk mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I get probably with varying degrees of length. Um, I, you know, I've been in relationships where some people have been heavier drinkers than I was. Oh, nice. So it was really easy for me to <laughs> kind of like throw the, you know, like, hey, yeah. you really have a problem <laughs> that you really need to work on. Right. And. Um, yeah, and then you know some people, um, you know, were norm normies. Is that normies, the term? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, as far as I and, know. And uh, and yeah, and it was pretty brief. <laughs> My favorite part of that story was when you told him, like, you knew what you signed up for the first <laughs> right. day you met me. <laughs> what are you surprised now? I was like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty pissed. I know. Like, why are you fucking with me, man? You knew I was a wasteoid. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So is the book on relationships? It's on, nah, it's on my recovery. And with a little bit of relationships we've done. Because I think, you know, with, with me, relationships are, as with, I mean, kind of a trigger for me for depression, which leads to the drinking. Yeah. Um, and so... So yeah, they're pretty closely um, intertwined. Well, yeah, just the emotional up and down of the whole thing—they kind of go hand in hand. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Do you think you're you're recovering from bad relationships as well as sobriety? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is it all kind of figured out? All that, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I realized that I would. I mean, with relationships. I would, I mean, as it, with the drinking, like I would be in total denial that something was not going to work. Right. Like, you know, like, oh, we'll give it another couple months. Like even, and looking back, I can, there is a point in each relationship where I know I should have walked away yeah. and it's pretty early on, like three weeks in, 
you know, and some of them go for years. Like there's <laughs> oh, giant yeah. red flags. I absolutely yeah. recognize that. That's funny. So, yeah. And you know the old like the old was that an axiom or a trope or the old saw that when when <laughs> you you stop maturing emotionally when your addiction takes hold, right? Yeah. Uh, and so uh-huh. when you stop, that's sort of where you, you start. You maybe gained, you know, dog years yeah. of, of emotion <laughs> but along the way. But, right. But, um, and for me, that was very true. Like, I, I was not in a, an adult relationship, I realized, until 10 years into my sobriety. Yeah. And you were married. And that's, and that's my wife. I mar- I'm, and then yeah. I married that person. I'm like, oh, this is a relationship. Yeah. I get it. Um, which is just wild. Like it took me ten years into my sobriety mm-hmm. to finally have an adult relationship. Yeah. Um, wow. So I don't know. Mm. It's it's wor- worth exploring. Yeah. I guess is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> people can use the help. Um, so uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. No, I was just going to ask oh, you? if you were going to like this first book attempt or this first book that you're writing is all about it being in recovery, correct? And is that something that you had been interested in writing about, or did this New York Times piece sort of kick off this this thing where you're like, wow, yeah. I really Good do question. like this story, or I do want to write well, about this? You know, I really when I got sober, I said I would never write about it. Right. And yet, I drafted that essay within the first month of being sober. <laughs> wow. So it just kind of and then out of you. yeah. And then I would, but I still, I would write around it with other stuff Mm -hmm. and people would, and I would mention it like, oh, I just quit drinking. So, and so that people could understand maybe the context of where my head was at at the time and people would read it and say like, whoa, 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 back up. Like (laughs) you just quit drinking. And then you went to South America. Like, I want to know about that. I want to know about the drinking. Like that's your story. So I got sort of nudged, Mm -hmm. um, along. And then when the, the times piece ran, you know, the response was so much more than I had expected. Um, and I started exploring the possibility of maybe spending more time on it and, you know, writing a book on it. Um, and, you know, I write to process Mm -hmm. and not everything that I write while I'm processing makes it into a final piece. Mm -hmm. Um, but I cannot deny that this is like what's happening, you know, in my life right now. And that's generally what I'm writing about. You know, when I was writing about breakups, you know, and relationships, that's because that was what was um, on my mind mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I had to get it out of me. So, um, yeah. There you go. And I'm really, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. So that's, that's all part of the story. That's yes. awesome. And I love that. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, it's just part of, it's a, fundamental element of, of who we are um, and that's I'm a big proponent of letting it inform all of us right yeah um, mm-hmm. that's awesome does it have a title I know, you don't have to tell us if you get like a secret um, title. you know title. right now it's it's the working title is Knights of a Dart Soul um, oh, good yeah so I, like um, nice. I don't know if, I like it yeah that's yeah. funny have you had those in sobriety have you had these like, you know, they say you're peeling away the onion as you go through sobriety and you start to discover these things. I didn't know what that meant for the longest time. And now I totally know what that means after being mm-hmm. in sobriety for a long time. All these little things that come up and make you cry. Yeah, that make you cry <laughs> like an onion. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, have you had? Have you had those? I oh, yeah. I don't know. When I was drinking, I always made up my own drama, and then in sobriety, you just sort of it, it becomes more conscious, maybe, or I don't yeah. know what it is. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a lot more of like, okay, why am I feeling this way? Because yeah. normally, you know, it's like normally when we would, you know, open a bottle of wine or pour a glass of whiskey, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. So when I'm having those moments, I mean, sometimes it's painful being sober yeah. because you cannot shut it off. Right. Like there's nothing, <laughs> you know, you don't get a fucking break. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so unfair. That's but unfair. you have, I mean, you're going to, you just have to deal with it somehow. So it's like, all right. So, you know, try and get, getting to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, just more conscious. Yeah. Um, is yeah yeah most of most everything when i you know when you're drinking you're like especially in relationships you start drinking and then you're trying to manipulate or you're mm-hmm. making up a story or, yeah you know like it's all kind of the whole process is weird and then you get in fights and you're you're i think yeah. drinking makes you tell even tell yourself even more stories so you're acting on false information anyway right. or whatever right. it just gets right. weird that was my favorite part of when you were talking about your relationship with the co-worker it's like we wanted to keep it professional so we kept it secret which <laughs> deceit made it more professional yeah, which totally. is awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome we wanted to make it professional so we deceived everyone yeah um, yeah <laughs> That's, I didn't. That's, I've never looked at it that way, but yeah, yeah that's alcoholic thinking. <laughs> there that's you fun. go. Yeah, right, totally. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was always a million lies going, and then you're always trying to get people to feel sorry for you, or you're winning an argument. But now you know you're sober. Relationships are totally different, yeah. right? And those games mm-hmm. are harder to yeah. play. Well, and you're, yeah. you're better prepared, even if they're not totally different. You're yeah. better prepared to. Well, for everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Life. <laughs> Totally. That's so funny. Yeah, I always had to win an argument. I would chase people down and say, I'm not finished with you. <laughs> I, was a, I was just a nightmare. Yeah, God, yeah. that's funny. That's funny. So are you writing? You, you're writing for us. You wrote a short, short piece for us. Are you writing short pieces as well along the way? Or any of the things that you're not using for the book, finding their way to other places? Um, I'm always, yeah. I mean, it's a, the process is long. So, But yeah, I've got um, other tidbits that i'm developing and pitching and and all that oh, good. so and you yeah. Under, yeah you yeah. obviously understand the business if you're in publishing yes. yeah yes yes i understand it's very painful <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's fine so are you, are, do you like are you living the life of a writer you get up and you're out in the middle of nowhere you take a walk in nature get some inspiration oh. and then come back and uh. oh my god that's it sounds terrifying yeah and because you know you have to, you just super doing your romantic. thing, right? I mean, but it's on. so romantic yeah. and it's so like, I know awesome. it's, it's funny that you call it romantic. I was just, I wrote a letter to a good friend of mine, um, just the other day and he had, he had just written me and was, you know, extolling the virtues of what I'm doing yeah. and you know, how great it is. And I wrote him and I said, I know what you think what I'm doing is so romantic, but you know, really like, you know, <laughs> I still got to pay my bills. Like I still, you yeah. know, yeah. I still need a job. Um, writing does not pay the rent. Um, but it is a pretty, it's a great place to be, to have, you know, few distractions for the writing. It's yeah. easy to prioritize writing here. Yeah. Um, you know, even, you know, with a job mm-hmm. and, um, you know, regular life. Yeah. Um, it's a writing life. That's cool. And it's super brave, I think. Right. Hmm. Like it's just, we're going Thanks. for it. You're going for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's awesome. What else am I going to do? Yeah, I don't know. And so, are you... <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of my question to everything. I'm yeah. like, should I do this? I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? Like... <laughs> That's awesome. You have no other discernible skills but this. Great. And so yeah. is it a nobody here gets out alive situation? <laughs> or is it you have a time frame? Like, is there a deadline? Yeah. Like, and then that lease oh, is yeah. up kind of thing. Do you have a deadline? Wait, for the for what? For the book. For like, are you there until, are you, like, are you getting yeah. snowed no. in and writing all work and no play makes Kara a dull girl <laughs> over and over? No. Okay. No, I'm not there yet. Okay. okay. Although, I did get snowed in earlier this year, um, which I wasn't expecting um, because it's the South. Yeah. You know, we don't really have snow, but we do in the mountains. Yeah. Um, and I was in my house for a week, over a week, um, before I could dig my car out. And, mm. The first four days were really great, and I got so much writing done. Amazing. And then the last four days, I was, I it was, it was Jack Nicholson wow. in The Shining. Wow. Um, but so you, I mean, but you're there till the book's done. Is I guess what I was asking. I, you know, I think so. I have okay. a goal um, for this upcoming year, and we'll mm-hmm. kind of see where it is there. I think I'm, I'm slowly starting to um, realize just how uh, isolated I am mm-hmm. and how much I miss people I know and who know me. And um, so I'm, I'm, you know, leaning towards maybe exploring mm-hmm. another option for next year mm-hmm. um, because, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the book and, and where I'm at. But, you know, mm-hmm. there are days when I miss people. And um, I just came back from a trip to California where I saw my family and good friends. Oh and I was God. like, oh, this is really nice. Yeah, the recharge. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's fine. Yeah. One of the things, and I don't, this came up at a meeting site, uh, but somewhere along the way I read some research where somebody had done the credible research about Alcoholics Anonymous and what actually worked about it. Was it mm-hmm. the God or the steps mm-hmm. or whatever it was? And it was the fellowship that ultimately mm-hmm. was the thing. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. as you're mm-hmm. telling your story, I'm like, yeah, that's probably the one thing just long-term sobriety comfortable mm-hmm. in it you know just yeah and i think because mm-hmm. it gets out of yourself i think mm-hmm. when you have the fellowship you hear other people struggling worse than you mm-hmm. and just right. get perspective right. and all that stuff so, yeah 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 you know yeah. yeah you need a little fellowship yeah i know <laughs> i know i was thinking about aa in those first meetings and how i would walk for the first you know those first two weeks i would always walk into a meeting hoping that I would hear something that would make me realize like, Oh, I'm not an alcoholic. Like that someone would say something that I didn't identify with and I could stop going to meetings and I could like, I could start drinking again. And I think, you know, when I walked, there was one day I I had that same thought and I walked into a meeting and it was a huge meeting. It was in this library in a church in Boston and there was probably over a hundred people there. And I identified with something that everybody said yeah. like at, at least one thing that everyone <laughs> right. said and i walked out of that meeting i was like oh maybe i am an alcoholic <laughs> like, maybe i do have a problem yeah. like an exquisite I corpse of alcoholism yeah, yeah. like uh, i completely identified with all of them and i was like wow and you were so looking, yes you were fellowship. looking for one person to, to have a whole yeah, talk where you didn't one. identify that's funny just one i yep. love it that's how we think <laughs> Well, if you want to come, like we're we're gonna have a big fellowship opportunity in November in Austin, Texas, and if you want to come down and uh, meet us, you can read some of your book. We'll set up a little. Well, we're book not. Reading. Well, and we're not exactly. It's it's uh, it's Waftiac, which yeah, I don't know if you're insane. familiar. 
It's I'm not. We Agnostics and Free Thinkers Alcoholics Anonymous Convention. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to you, and, and you may be aware that I, I'm not, at, I'm maybe less engaged, less experienced with AA than you. Um, but uh, a lot of people we know are going down, and just part of what we do is, is explore the world of sobriety and recovery. So we're going down, and um, yeah, should be a good time. Yeah, if you need to get out. Come on down. Cool. Yeah. Cool. A lot of yeah, fun people. Are you, you sound like I need to get out. I'm, no, I, I don't think know. Jeff, I don't know. I'm just assuming maybe you'll need to get out by then. Jeff's, uh, <laughs> Jeff's definitely the uh, cruise director of our, yeah. uh, our world. Of, I just want to have SS a whole since right ecosystem yeah. come on down to Austin for a couple of days. Yeah. It'll be fun. Austin's great. Actual, or do you have a higher power, Kara? Do I do. In God? I okay. do. Or, I do. I do. Yeah, or whatever, a higher power, some kind of higher power. Yeah. Did your higher power play a role in you getting sober? Did you ever ask your higher power for any help on this? Ooh. I think more in the recovery. Okay. So, you know, the initial time period, mm-hmm. no. But um, definitely as, you know, I live a sober life that mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time on that. I'm a Quaker. Um, and a Quaker like have from been Pennsylvania kind of Quaker. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And what, and, what um, is that? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, me what, too. what does that mean? What is Quakers, um, they're very liberal. Um, yeah. they are pacifists. Um, they've been around a long time. Yeah. They, um, they're known for their pacifism and their social activism. Um, and they have silent meetings. Mm-hmm. And when I actually, before I started attending AA meetings, I would go to Quaker meetings, they call them meetings, and I would describe them to people as like a cross between a meditation and an AA meeting. Because the first part of the meeting is silent worship, Hmm. and um, that's because there's there's no pastor, there's nobody in between you and God, you just have a direct relationship with him. And then during the second half of the meeting, people can be moved to speak, and they have something to say that is relevant to the entire group um, at large, then they say something, they share. And it, I mean, it is, it's a lot like an AA meeting. So it's a great, um, and yeah, it's a great thing. And do you still participate? I do. That's awesome. Where I live in in North Carolina, um, completely coincidentally, um, I moved to this really remote area and there's actually a, you know, community of Quakers like 10 minutes oh. from this place. I very randomly um, wow. moved. See, so I think, I think your God is helping you on that. That's yeah, good. exactly. Like that's <laughs> Providence. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. fast. That yeah. is something I've uh, never met a Quaker. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I am too. No, it's fascinating. I like, it sounds, I, I like the way um, your people interact with uh, your higher power i do it's fascinating yeah um t- uh just to pitch one other thing i don't know if you read t- tammy salas has her third step piece up and i think she, when she was on she had talked about her higher power she's she's she was someone of three re- she was baptized into three different religions then lost her religion and then is finding it again and um i think she's uh in a place where she's decided her higher power is love which i had never mm-hmm. contemplated that it could literally be a power um, yeah. to me, like that's a phenomenal power, right? Um, right. so anyway, 
that's we could probably go we go around this that's the topic that it'll always yeah. come back to <laughs> um so well hey kara thank you so much for joining us tonight and um hope you'll come back when the yeah. book's done if you ever if yeah. like yeah. you said you need to talk to someone you call us we'll call okay we'll i will we, we will be at your I fellowship we got, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck thank writing, you, like finishing up. That's just awesome. Like, thank you. Good luck. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, this was, was really fun. fun. Uh, yeah, glad. Yeah, um, yeah awesome. keep writing because we love reading your pieces. Yeah, and we're not oh, going anywhere. So you. if you got something that doesn't fit anywhere else, you know where to look. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank All right. you, guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, yeah, that was awesome. She was lovely. That was really cool. I I love I like getting to know all these yeah. terrific writers, and I, I don't know what that's been really. Um, I don't know, gratifying part yeah. of of what we're doing is these people that think deeply yep. about their yep. sobriety, their recovery, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and yeah, put brave it down. enough to write about it. Brave right. enough to write about it. Brave yeah. enough, disciplined enough, and I mean, the skills. That's, that's, yeah, now it's yeah. a lot of work. So yeah, get um, and with that, you know. Also, I got I have to remember yeah. two pieces of big news, both involving Claire Rudy Foster. Yep, Who but you're gonna have to wait. Okay, we're gonna have to wait. Um, but I've never met a Quaker before, so no. I was excited for that. Oh, that was yeah, kind of yeah, a curveball at the end. Like I thought, yeah. she, like, are you kidding? Well, because yeah, it, she hadn't. Um, yeah, didn't lead with. I'm a Quaker. Yeah, Quaker. but that's good. I'm so look it up. Um, anything? Any tidbits? I got no burning desires, my friend. Then you know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna play us out. All right. Thanks, GJFM. Thanks, Kara. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. See you Thanks, next week. Oh, I won't be here next week because I'm going to London. So Jeff. I'll be in London. Oh, maybe I'll call in. Oh, London town. Oh, London. But I'm gonna go see my old mates in AA and go to a meeting I used to go to. So I'm so kind of excited. About it. Can we tell people, uh, anybody we know in London, to? Oh, yeah. Look You'll have to you? give us our list. Yes. Maybe I'll email people. All right. Look out, London. Jeff's coming. I'm coming. All right. <laughs>